0: Sometimes high uncertainty creates selling, it creates mass confusion. And if you get any positive news, any there's no such thing as a certain market, but any any path to clarity with certainty, you know, you can have an upward resolution, and we sure are seeing that. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Filling in for John Lynch is my good friend. Jeff Bookbinder, portfolio manager, market strategist, and all-around good guy. Jeff, how's life up in Boston going? Life's
1: good, Ryan. You're a good guy, too. Hope uh, John feels better, a little under the weather this morning. So happy to fill in and uh, and talk markets. Uh, everything's good up here. I, um, I'm i proud to report that my puppy is sleeping a little bit longer. So we're we're getting up at 4 in the morning to, to take <laughs> her out, not 2 or 3. Uh, continue to move uh In the right direction there and um she went to puppy class yesterday and and did really well so uh the training's going okay how about uh how about your new puppy
0: well we have two dogs it's funny you mentioned training so thurman is our older dog he's oh my goodness he's 12 and a half years old i guess that's crazy to think anyway he did a like a graduation so this would have been i don't know 12 years ago 11 and a half years ago and the funny story about that is he got a little diploma and we've stuck it on, this is a true story. Sometimes I make things up, this is actually true. We put the diploma on the um, fridge, right? Like you do with kids stuff, right? We did have kids at the time, so the dog's the kid. You know, you're more excited about your dog then. And you put the diploma up and we left one day and we just put him in the kitchen. We came back and Thurman destroyed, he tore the diploma down and ripped it all up. <laughs> <laughs> he so, picked that document yeah out of everything and he he ripped it off the uh the fridge and ripped it all up so anyway that's kind of a funny little story about Thurman he's he's a good boy now yeah I guess so but Walter is our newer dog who we got probably five weeks ago and he's actually currently being trained they've got a deal down here where for a couple of weeks you drop your dog off and he gets trained so we We're do I guess it's kind of lazy man's way to do things, but we're we're doing that, and hopefully he comes home Friday. The kids are really excited for Walter to come back home. He was with us about two weeks, and he's been there for a couple weeks. So anyway, so Walter is a a great Pyrenees. He's about ninety pounds. He's approximately three years old, according to the vet. So we got him at a rescue. He's a real sweet boy. He just we don't think he'd ever really been trained that well. So he's he's getting um, whipped into shape a little bit. So we're excited about that. But that's
1: not not uh, even considered a puppy,
0: but uh, new new dog. Exactly new dog, not a puppy.
1: those are beautiful. There,
0: he is so so with with um you know the dog talk out of the way. We'll probably do a little more football talk maybe as we get into this a little bit. But we I don't get... want to do football
1: talk this week.
0: <laughs> you know what to? I've got okay. Well, we'll see then. Maybe I'll do that. i want to move on. <laughs> there you go. All right. So this week <laughs> Tough in- week for the Chiefs. Uh, oh, I know. Sorry. The latest edition of the LP Market podcast. Jeff and I are going to discuss three main things. Last week we had multiple, I guess you could say, warning signs from the economy, and then a. An little bit better sign from the jobs market on Friday. This week's weekly market commentary takes a look at just the overall high level of uncertainty that we are seeing out there. And then we're going to finish it up with this week. This week we have, as every week has big news, but this week we have U.S.-China trade talks later in the week. We have the Fed Minutes, which is released, where the chances of a Fed cut all of a sudden after the data last week is much higher than it was this time about a month ago, at least at the, uh, the October 30th meeting. And the last thing is we have some inflation data out later this week. So, Jeff, again, I'll, I'll kind of set the stage. Last week was an interesting week. The S&P was down for the third consecutive week, although it was modest. You know, the first two days of the, of the new quarter, October 1st and 2nd, the S&P was down about 3%, down 1% consecutive days. I took a look. That's never happened in history for the S&P during the fourth quarter to start off quite that poorly, as John and I discussed a week ago. Fourth quarter historically is one of the more bullish months, I'm sorry, one of the more bullish quarters. Didn't happen last year, down 14%, we're fully aware, but still history usually sides with the bulls. Now, what kind of sparked that weakness was a very, very weak 10-year low in ISM manufacturing data. Also, adding to the concerns was a three-year low in ISM services data. Then on Friday, the jobs number came in. It wasn't really that great. It still kind of missed expectations, but we did increase the previous two months' worth of jobs, so it was almost like the bleeding had stopped a little bit. So, Jeff, out of those three, there's a couple different ways we can go with this. But, I mean, what do you think? I mean, it was kind of a mixed bag, but at the same time, the economy sure seems to be slowing a little quicker than we maybe anticipated. Is that true?
1: A little, sure. Um, We're seeing some of the weakness in manufacturing, largely because of the trade uncertainty, leak over into the services side, and that's really where the, the consumer is, right? So we know the economy is much more services-driven than manufacturing-driven. Uh, the services side and consumer spending really needs to continue to drive uh, economic growth forward. So sure, this is um, a little bit concerning, but you know, when you look at the whole suite of leading indicators that we follow, uh, frankly, we still do not see... Uh, an elevated chance of recession. I think that's the key question for investors here, is uh, what are the chances that we're in recession in the next year or 18 months? And that's still probably no higher than a a, a one in three chance. Trade progress is still a big wild card. We'll talk more about that. But based on how we see things now, uh, we think we'll still see trend growth here for at least the next several quarters.
0: Yeah, you know, I saw some data, Jeff, that said if you looked at the weak services number that we saw and the very weak manufacturing number that we saw, the economy, U.S. economy, still growing at a 1.8% GDP, which by no means is spectacular, but it's also not recessionary. Now, Jeff, something that caught my attention, though, with the ISM data that came out again last week, or the manufacturing data, really, really rough sell-off after that. If you look at the global ISM numbers, they've actually ticked higher. Now, not by a lot, but they've stopped going down. They've ticked higher each of the past two months. Also, this is the ISM data on manufacturing. There's something called the IHS market, and they also do a survey on the manufacturing numbers, and both that actually came in above 50, implying expansion and the IHS numbers on the services also came in a little bit better than expected. So these are surveys. You know, it's still what, purchasing managers. What are you feeling out there? Uh, so there's there are different sides to this. But, you know, the global economy, are there some positives happening all of a sudden, you think?
1: Well, we you know, we wrote last week uh, in our blog on research.com about the uh, economic surprise index. Right. Actually, it was maybe the end of the prior week. You know, the trend there is strongly positive. Right, economic data points are beating expectations at an increasing rate. So, granted, we had these two high-profile reports miss expectations last week, but uh, more broadly, uh, the economic data started to get a little bit better uh, relative to expectations. That means expectations are low. Right, you lower the bar enough, you can you can beat it. Kind of like what happens with uh, earnings season. I think in international uh, data, the expectations just got lower faster, <laughs> and uh, you know now. Uh, Frankly, the, the market expects bad data. And when it gets a tiny bit better or it just goes sideways, the uh, market says that's, a, that's a good news.
0: Uh, g- good points there. So, maybe speaking of good news, so that's the manufacturing data clearly slowing the United States and the rest of the globe. Uh, the, most of the economic data out of uh, Europe is, is potentially recessionary, with Germany, I think you could say, is in a manufacturing recession currently. But the services number that came out a couple days—I guess it was—oh, gee, correct me, Jeff. I think it was on Wednesday, right? Wednesday was the services number. It came in still up over fifty-three, uh, so still expansionary. But it was weaker than was expected. But like we said, the consumer makes up two-thirds of overall GDP. Overall consumption this year continues to be quite strong, which is a good lead-in, I think, for Friday. Friday jobs number came in at 136,000. The expectations were anywhere from 145 to 155, so I think you could say it missed by a tad, but it didn't miss by an exorbitant amount like the manufacturing number did. And we had a decent, well, not decent, probably a really solid rally I think on that, on kind of people called it Goldilocks, right? The jobs are just good enough, the economy's okay. But we still potentially can see a rate cut, which again we'll talk more about on the Fed here in a second. But we still could see a rate cut from the Fed at the end of this month. Was Goldilocks? Did Goldilocks come to town on Friday, Jeff?
1: Oh, I think she did. Uh, the um, revisions from prior months offset the miss in terms of the actual job count. So, right. uh, you know, the job count was not a miss. It was pretty much right in line when you look at the revisions. So that's as Goldilocks as it gets, right? But then, in terms of the Fed, right? What does the Fed care about inflation? It it, it cares about job growth, but it cares about inflation. Um, the wage growth number slipped to under three percent year over year. That is the first time in um, over a year that we've been below three percent. So that, along with this soft patch in economic data last week, probably gives the Fed cover to cut. Um, in October it might it might wait till December but uh, the odds of a cut at least one between now and year-end have risen and they're probably um, at this stage somewhere in the 80% range
0: yeah you know I've talked about this before if you look at the mid 90s in 95 and 98 the Fed cut three times each of those cycles and cut 25 basis points each of those cycles as we mentioned before when the Fed cuts starts cutting at 50 basis points that's usually when there's a bigger monster under the bed and potentially, uh, you know, you, you could be much closer to a recession. So if they they do have another cut, I think our base case is still about a 20, well, it's still a 25 basis point cut. Now, one one stat I wanted to mention, Jeff, because I, I, I talked about it, personal consumption annualized this year, so far 19 is up 8.7%. That's the best start to a year since 2009. So... By no means is the economy, again, with a, a GDP running at about 2%, maybe a tad under. We'll talk about earnings here, which very well could have negative year of year earnings growth in the third quarter. The economy is by no means um, you know, bursting higher, but personal consumption and some of the signs from the consumer with the jo- a still growing job market, still improving labor markets with a 50-year low um, initial claims those are some positives. Jeff, you know, I saw I think it was Embarance. They noted 50 years ago the Ab- the Beatles Abbey Road album was released. That's the l- <laughs> the last time um we had unemployment the unemployment rate at 3.5% was when that happened 50 years ago. You a big Beatles fan by any chance?
1: Uh I like the Beatles, but I I uh, got to say I don't remember that uh that album being released.
0: Nor do you. No, no I, I absolutely <laughs> don't. Um, Terrence is here. Terrence helps us every week. Terrence is a huge movie or uh, music guy. Terrence, you a Beatles fan at all? You can just nod. I mean, what you... He gave us somewhat. I mean, Terrence is yeah, I mean, te- you know, they, people think that John and I and Jeff do all the work. We just come in and talk for 24 minutes. Terrence and and really the, the entire communications marketing team helps, but Terrence is sitting across from us every week. So thanks, Terrence. We appreciate it. But 50 years ago, lowest, uh, lowest unemployment in 50 years. So uh, Jeff, you know, let's let maybe move forward. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about with the economy, specifically what happened last week? I think we've covered the bases. Just want to make sure there's nothing you wanted to point out before we move forward. Let's keep moving. Like the Chiefs last night, let's keep moving, right? That was a little blow. <laughs> they moved backwards last night. Oh, my. Night. Yeah, I, I know. I, I tell you. So let me, let's go there Ugly. for a second. let Let's go. I mean, well, th- that was their first loss, though, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, that was their yeah. first loss. Okay, so, you know, hey. Yeah, it happens. I mean, I'm a, as you know, Jeff, I'm a Bengals fan, so I'm only setting myself up here. We, we can't even win a game. Although, the Bengals were winning with two minutes to go in two of their games and tied with two minutes to go in one of their games, but certain teams find ways to lose, and, well, my Bengals do. So, anyway, they're, we'll just They're move.
1: better uh, probably than the Dolphins and –
0: well, they play, you know, the Bengals play the Dolphins in December and there's a lot of talk that, you know, they both might tank. Neither team's going to try and win. It's it's a 2 a bowl right? So we'll we'll get we'll see when we get there. And the Bengals you play the Jets too, I believe. So there's some Bad, really, really. bad games on the throw those on Monday night the two a bowl might get more ratings but um anyway that's why God gave me Ohio State they're looking pretty good though uh, let's see so so this uh we're gonna talk about uncertainty now Jeff I get I get on a sidetrack talking about sports this week's weekly market commentary and I'll just kind of set the stage Jeff because you wrote this with John um and Callie Cox and uh you know the policy uncertainty un- intensifies I mean think about it all the swirling uncertainty whether it be trade whether it be the global slowdown in, in Europe, potential slowdown in China. Just look at the continued. I guess it's 17 consecutive weeks now of protests in Hong Kong, which show no signs of slowing. Policy uncertainty continues to be very high. Now, I will say in the show notes of today's podcast, we'll have a chart that takes a look at the policy. It's called the Global Policy Uncertainty Index, which is near an all time high going back 20 years, which isn't too surprising with all of the uncertainty out there. I mean, Jeff, what do you think? Is uncertainty just here to stay, or what does it all mean for investors listening to this week's podcast?
1: I, I think an easy question, very
0: easy question but, for you there. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is here to stay, but uh, the markets are continuing to climb the wall of worry. Right, we're only about two and a half, three percent away from the all-time high in the S and P, despite all this policy uncertainty. And look how much policy uncertainty we had—you know, two, three, four years ago. Actually, go back further uh european debt crisis u.s credit downgrade in 2011 it's just been one thing after the other right there's policy uncertainty every election but i think 2016 and 2020 maybe have taken it to a a new level uh for a lot of reasons so we're going to have to get used to this uh, policy uncertainty but it comes down to what's the economy doing what are earnings doing and what policies can be implemented there's certainly a lot of uh dramatic proposals out there, but uh, most of them aren't going to be implemented no matter who wins. Even if you get a Democratic sweep and they take the House and the Senate, or keep keep the House and take the Senate, there's, there are factions within the Democratic Party that are going to prevent some of these policies from being enacted. Some of them, uh, certainly, we, or many of them, we can't afford. So I would just suggest investors um, focus on what's likely to happen in these various scenarios, not necessarily on some of these grandiose uh, political talking points. But nonetheless, policy uncertainty is gonna continue uh, to be with us and we have to work extra hard to sort out um, you know, what's, what's real from, from what's noise.
0: Now, great points, Aaron. Well, here's something that's real. I'm gonna read this directly from this week's Weekly Market Commentary, which again, we'll have a link to in the show notes. After global uncertainty peaked earlier in this economic cycle in the wake of the European debt crisis, 2016 Brexit vote and 2016 US presidential election, the S&P 500 climbed an average of 16% in the following 12 months. I mean, think about those times, think about Brexit for a second. S&P down about 5% two days later, all the uncertainty, what's it all what it all means. That was actually one of the better buying opportunities we've seen during this what we call a 10-year bull market. So sometimes high uncertainty creates selling it creates mass confusion then if you get any positive news any there's no such thing as a certain market but any any path to clarity with certainty you know you can have an upward resolution and we sure are seeing that now jeff maybe let's talk about trade for a second because we did talk about in this week's weekly market commentary but the uncertainty swirling around trade now here's a stat that i was i didn't realize this i guess global trade if you look at the amount of global trade that takes place between united states and china it's three percent i would have thought global trade would have been higher with three percent of global trade between us and china so it's i'm not minimizing it but that was a little smaller than i thought but clearly the us and china trade discussions that started i guess we'll say january february of last year 2018 equity the dow the last 12 months the dow's down now not by a lot but, you know, we've been in this big old range with the big fourth quarter sell-off, really gone nowhere since all of this started. Um, you know, trade continues, Jeff, to dominate. You know, we do have this week trade discussions in Washington in November. There's another event. Let me read it correctly. It's called the Asian-Pacific Economic Cooperation APEC summit in November, where President Trump and President Xi potentially will meet face to face, and maybe they can have a discussion there. What are your what's your take on trade? Are we inching closer to a resolution, or are we just still you know stuck in politics and can't get anywhere?
1: I would say we are inching closer to uh, completing phase one of three.
0: Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs>
1: this is uh, you know being chunked up, and so we have to just take. Uh, these small issues first, the issues where there's more agreement, more willingness on both sides uh, to give. So you'll see China buy more U.S. agricultural products. It's already started. Uh, and uh, you'll possibly see uh, President Trump pull back on some of the threatened tariffs or threatened tariff increases. Right. Uh, and you'll probably see us uh, give a little on the, you know, the Huawei situation that China Telecom Company that's been uh, embroiled in this um, uh, negotiation. So there are a few smaller things, maybe some enforcement from China on intellectual property. There's some smaller things that, frankly, they really already agreed to uh, in uh, May and pulled back on, but decent chance we get some of that in the next uh, few months. So just look for some progress toward a small deal uh, in the next uh, few months, and then after that, the tougher stuff. Uh, comes and, and um, you know we'll, hopefully we'll get some of the tougher things, the structural changes, done before the election. But there's a certainly a possibility that uh, that we don't, and this thing ratchets up a little bit more uh, before it uh, potentially again uh, is de-escalated. So the risk will be with us here for a while longer. We just need to move forward, and maybe the good news is that expectations are really low. So it probably doesn't right. take much uh, for the market to be happy at this
0: point. That's uh, great points there, and you know you hear you see the headlines. I mean, China has started buying more of our agricultural products. So maybe if they can agree to buy a little bit more. There's a, I believe it's October 15th when one of the tariffs are supposed to hit. There's another tariff from the United States to China in December. Maybe those get punted or pushed back a little bit, and we can get some type of a potential path to resolution. But, Jeff, I'm looking at the clock here. We've got about three more minutes, so let's talk a little bit about this week. We already kind of talked about trade, so there's big trade discussions in Washington later this week and then again in November potentially face-to-face with President Trump and President Xi. But we have Fed Minutes coming out on Wednesday. And then we have some inflation data coming out later in the week as well. What should investors be on the lookout there for this week uh, from those two things, Jeff?
1: Yeah, I don't think those are going to get a lot of attention given the trade situation.
0: That's why we stuck um, them at the end. I but, agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but certainly uh, we got the pretty benign inflation reading from the jobs report. The market is going to be looking for uh, confirmation of that slight downtick in inflation, I think, from the uh, CPI and PPI. But right now, uh, the market is more worried about economic growth than it is about inflation. Uh, and certainly related to economic growth, uh, the market is worried about trade, of course, uh, so that will remain the focus
0: this week. Uh, g- good good points there, I agree. So. I'll hand it back to you, Jeff, in a second to sign off. I just want to remind everyone, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe at Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify. Also, to help us get this out there more, if you like the podcast, please feel free and give us a five-star review. The more of those we have, the more people that can listen to it. I think as of last week, we had 39 out of 40 five-star review, so thank you for that. So, Jeff, I had a lot of fun this week. Thanks for coming on. We didn't talk too much about your Chiefs, so that was, you know, I just knew you'd fire back on the Bengals, so I was being very careful how I was going to how I was gonna go with you there, but um, you know, anything to sign off on, Jeff, this week with?
1: Well, I, I guess uh, we'll talk earnings next week, but just uh, know that we'll probably get something around flat for Q3, and that is uh, going to be several points most likely ahead of expectations. Uh, the Longer-term outlook for earnings is still pretty good. Probably going to see a nice ramp in in 2020, and that can help uh, push stocks higher. So uh, maintain our um, constructive view on equities and think we'll get some support from earnings here
0: uh, in the coming months. More on that next week. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. And thank you, everyone, for again tuning in this week as we discussed last week's economic data, the big spike in overall policy uncertainty. And then this week, with the trade, Fed minutes, and inflation data, what to be on the lookout for. So, thank you again, everyone, for listening to our podcast week after week. We continue to get record number of listens, record number of devices downloaded. And honestly, the best thing is just positive comments. People shoot us emails. We do have an email address, Podcast at LPL.com. Please feel free to shoot us any questions, comments, what you like, what you don't like. Let us know how things are going on there. And we'll be back next week with the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals Podcast. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, everyone.
1: Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch.
0: And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor. Please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC-NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.